if you have your Bibles with you, you can open them to the Gospel of John. Now, um, it has been said that, you know, there are four Gospels in the Bible. That's not really true. There's one Gospel, but there's four writers. Because they say it is one Gospel, and they say... Uh, the same things a lot, uh, but the Gospel of John is a little bit different. Matthew, Mark, and Luke are called the synoptic Gospels, which means that uh, they, they say a lot of the same thing. It's in the same format. But when you get to the Gospel of John, the Gospel of John is a little bit different. And I'm going to give you just a little bit of introduction, and then we're going to go into a little bit of, of John. And we're going to be in John to however long it takes. I really felt that the Lord is leading us to this Gospel because there's a few things about it that, that, are, that are kind of important. It's not like it's more important than the others, but it is written in a different way. And it is written, uh, I think, for me, for the individual to really experience the closeness, the love, the presence of God. I think that's one of of John's uh, main things. So Matthew, Mark, and Luke are called synoptic gospels. Uh, They present Jesus' life in in, uh, the same format the Gospels, those Gospels focus on what Jesus taught and did. And John focuses on who he was. Okay? And that's why we, we want to kind of dig into this. Um, so while the other Gospels focus on Jesus' mil, uh, ministry in Galilee, John is, is going to focus really on, a lot of times, the last week of his life in Jerusalem. Okay? And... and Important, a lot of things. Um, he foc- John, for me, focuses on the divinity of Jesus and the intimacy between God the Father, God the Son, and then intimacy that we can share with them through God the Spirit. Does that make sense? And you, we're going we're gonna to see this in the gospel here. As we, so, so it's going to focus on his deity and it's going to focus on the intimacy between God as Father and God as Son. And then the, to the intimacy that we can share with them through God the Spirit. Okay? So, if you're whole new to this Jesus thing, and you've heard this thing called the Trinity, don't look it up in the Bible because you won't find the word Trinity there. But what we see in the Bible throughout uh, its doctrine, and a doctrine is just a truth that the Bible talks about. And so what we see in the Bible is this idea of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Uh, it, it, it's a oneness, and so God is one, but there are three distinctivenesses, if you will, about the Godhead that, that are just there. And we can't always explain it. It's not, it's not three gods, it's one God, but there's, there's expressions of it in different ways. And so in the beginning, there was God the Father, Right? Uh, who, who created Adam. And then we have the sin thing. And then we go all the way down as we call him uh, Jesus, God, the son of God, right? Who was always God, but he's, 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 he's doing a function. He's also an expression of the father as well too. And he comes to earth for a specific reason to deal with the issues of the garden of Eden that we failed at. And so he's going to bring redemption 
into mankind. And everybody who is in the Old Testament and those of Abraham and all those guys you read about have this understanding that God is talking about a redemption that's coming, but they, they don't really know what it's about. So they're doing what God has told them to do then, and it, it is accounted to them as righteousness because they're following God by faith that he is going to do something at some time through the Messiah, even though they may not see it in their day. And so there's a specific time that God is going to come upon the earth and he brings Christ. Now, the important thing about Christ is this, about Jesus as a man, is that he was never created. And so let's get into the gospel and we'll see this. Um, Well, while Luke focuses on the gospel Luke focuses on Jesus' humanity and the Son of Man. John is going to focus on his uh, divinity, the Son of God. Uh, John will focus on, he's going to focus on seven mi- miracles, six of which you don't see, I think it's six, yeah, you don't see in the other gospels. And then, um, and then seven I am statements that Jesus proclaims about himself. So I'm, I'm excited about the gospel of John because I think it's really going to draw us into the richness of, of who Jesus is. Now, I, I've told you this story before, but it bears repeating um, because we're all getting older and we forget sometimes. So um, uh, I remember I was sitting in a college class, and I was not a Christian, and I was hungover, and it was a science class. And the, the doctor that was there was Dr. Cherian. He was at uh, Mount St. Clair back in... 93 or something like that. Dr. Charing was a Hindu. He was a Hindu. Um, he was from India, but he remained a Hindu even though he had an experience with, knew what Christianity was. He remained a Hindu because he was angry because of something that happened in his life. He was a young boy uh, laying next to his sister. His sister had an asthma attack and she died. And having his, his doctorate and something, he, he said all she needed was, he was talking to the class about this. He said all she needed was a shot. I don't know, he's like epinephrine or something. I don't know, one of those shots. Something that was going to deal with, with what she was struggling with. And, and he came out and said, where was your Christian God then? So he's very angry about an experience that happened in his life. And instead of embracing a healing that God can provide. And I'm not saying it's easy. There is a hardness and a rigidness. Let me ask you something. Why Jesus? Why not the little Hindu things? You ever notice that? Nobody ever goes around saying, Allah, damn it. Do they? Nobody ever takes the name of Muhammad in vain. But Jesus, his name is, is, is destroyed and maligned throughout every corner of the earth. And why is that? I, I'm, I'm, I'm a simple person, so I, simp- I think in simple terms, why do we destroy the name of Jesus but none of these other things? Why? Because there's a truth about it. And the heart, and the human heart knows it. The issue is, a lot of times with people, is, and I'm not talking about evangelism, it is, is not so much that they don't know, as that they're just 
hard-hearted about something and they're not willing to surrender to the truth. Instead of trusting in the sovereignty who he is, we, we take his name and we bring him down on the level of something else. And so in the Gospel of John, is going to start right out. And, and John's not going, to, is not going to pull any punches. He's going to say from the beginning here, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was with God. Now, this is a Gospel. It is the beginning of what we would call the New Testament, or another word for testament is covenant in the, the Bible. And a covenant is, is an agreement. It's like a contract. And so God has had covenants. God has not had one covenant in the Old Testament. God has had a lot of covenants in the Old Testament. And he's made a, he's made a lot of covenants in the Old Testament. He had a covenant with Noah. He had a covenant with uh, Abraham and, and David. And there's a lot of covenants that God has made throughout the Old Testament. Contracts. If this, then this kind of thing. All right? And so, uh, so in, the be- in the Old Testament, we have this, from the very beginning, we have in the beginning, God, right? In the beginning, God. And we also have heard in, from Genesis uh, chapter 2 or where, where he comes down and he says, now let us make man in our own image. So we understand that, that God is this triune being and we are made up in three parts as well, our spirit, our soul, and the body that the Bible talks to us about. In, in 1 Thessalonians 5, 23 and 26, and now may the God of peace sanctify your entire spirit, soul, and body. So we understand that there is a triune to us and that when we die and this body dies and goes to the ground and why does this body go to the ground because this body was made from the ground and the earth is cursed and so this body has is going to die but fear not uh, Revelations tells us that, that you're going to get a new body, a glorified body that is going to live forever in eternity, which means that it's going to house your spirit and your soul. So you are still going to be made up in three parts. This is very interesting because you don't see this with any of the other created beings, angels or, any, or councils or anything like that in heaven or in the word. We're the only ones that are created in that Likeness. Okay, so in the beginning was the Word. In the beginning was God, and John says in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And so um, let me finish my story with Dr. Cherian. So his, he, was, he was pouring it out on us, and I was sitting right here, you know, just kind of listening. Poor Armando was sitting over there, head between his legs. Couldn't take it anymore. Um, and... And he was, he was really just hitting on Christianity. And I'm thinking to myself, this is a Catholic college, right? <laughs> I mean, I would think that they would have a problem with a Hindu guy trashing Christianity in a science class. Right? It's, it's not even religion 101. And so we began to talk, and he began to trash the Trinity and just say, you know, you have God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. You have three gods. He goes, and you go after us. Hindus, because we have many gods and all this different kinds of stuff. And I've told you this before. And what came out of my mouth as a young person who was not following God, but had a religious background because I grew up in the church. And this is sometimes God uses uh, sinful people. Did you ever know that? Okay, good. Just making sure we're all on the same track. All right. So the thing that, he, like, that came out of my mouth was, is like when I come 
to this campus, you've got a history department, a math department, and an English department, but you don't have three colleges. And he kind of stopped. That is true. Let us move on. And that was the end of the discussion. <laughs> now listen, any type of thing you use as a, a metaphor for the for the, the Trinity, at some point is just going to break down because this is a great mystery. We don't know exactly how everything works, but the Bible being the word of God describes it in this form, and, and that's, that's what we go with. So we, I, that's what came out of my mouth, and it changed, and we went back to science. <laughs> it was wonderful. Um, and so this thing about Jesus, you know, many people are, are struggling. I remember I was sitting in the hallway and, uh, of Mount St. Clair, and uh, I was sitting with uh, uh, a drama teacher. His name was Rex. <laughs> you know, you know. And so I loved Rex. Rex is, is kind of a genius about certain things. And so, and oh, Rex, you know, we had this nun called Sister Harriet. She was a voice teacher. Loved her. She was, she was probably 100 years old when I knew her. And so, um, Ra- uh, so Sister Harriet, this is another side story, had to have an operation on her ankles, and so she was in a wheelchair. And so she'd come down the hallway of Mount St. Clair because she was still doing voice lessons. She was my voice teacher. And she'd be coming down the hall going like that, and she'd pass Rex's door. And all of a sudden, from Rex's room, you'd hear, the music from the Wicked Witch of the West from the Wizard of Oz. And she would stop. And she would say, I know you're making fun of me. I just don't know how. And then keep on going. There is a constant battle between the pagan and the nun. And I, to my, you know, got to sit back and watch and laugh at some of those things. But I had this, this question, you know, in, when I came to the Lord in 97, I was still doing community theater. And I was sitting there. And I was excited about evangelism, yet I knew... Uh, I, I wasn't really strong enough to come head at it with Rex because he, he had a whole lot of, he has a whole lot of, of, of thinking. It's not true, and it, it'll fall down, but I, I, wasn't, I wasn't smart enough to unravel all that then. So I go around about the way and talking about religion and Jesus. He's like, yeah, you know, he's a good guy, but that whole son of God thing, eh, you know. And I, I, a lot of people today struggle with that aspect of, of Jesus. Man, he's a great teacher. A lot of the things he said were, were just incredible. You know, and, and I like listening to him. What was the, I, I, coming to my mind now, the evangelist who was almost as, as big as, as Billy Graham starting out um, and actually probably had a, a more powerful anointing in speaking. But I remember, um, his name escapes me right now, but he walked away from the Lord. And I remember um, they went and interviewed about him about something. And he, his whole story was, I cannot recognize the gospel with all this pain in the world. I'm like, oh my gosh, that's, that's an easy one. But anyway, at least for me. And then uh, he's talking about, you know, and they said, well, what about Jesus? And his hardness melted in that moment. And he said, I think he's the sweetest person I ever know, known. And I miss him very much. And I was like, and, and where does that come from? I mean, we, we've got the word. We, uh, Dan was talking about the seeds. We know sometimes seeds, but, but this is a guy 
who was sold on the gospel, was preaching, had an anointing upon himself, but there was something that he could not reconcile within himself. And, and you can't just, you have to deal with those issues. You, you can't just let them skirt by. So you have got to deal with the issue of Jesus. Who is he? Because you can join the, the throngs, the millions, and, and other religions who will recognize him and say, he's a great guy. Son of God. Eh. Eh. Good guy. Said some wonderful things. Son of man, sure. Came from the line of David. Okay, great. He's Jewish. Most people probably did, right? Eh. But son of God is the hang-up. And sometimes it's the hang-up for, for even people in the church because if he is, who not just what they said he was, who he, what he said about himself, if he is really that person, then we have to wrestle with the fact that God has come on a specific point of time to deal with the sinfulness in man's heart. And if we're not willing to deal with our own sinfulness, then we won't give him his due of who he is. Jesus, the Christ, the son of the living God who came for a purpose to bring redemption because of what mankind did, the sinfulness of mankind. And listen, we don't have to go back and think what were they doing in the Garden of Eden. We just have to look back in our own past and think what was I thinking back then? Especially, oh man, I was sitting in the, getting my hair cut. And uh, there was a guy, I don't know who his name is, but he was talking, he's kind of talking about his past, and somehow it was known that I was a preacher. He goes, well, I can't tell you too much because, you know, he's a preacher right there. You know, I don't know what that guy did. And I was like, I wasn't always a preacher. You know? Don't, don't look at me. I'm not, didn't say this to him, but I'm thinking, I said, don't look at me as someone who's, who's, unapproachable or someone who's who's never been through the battles or wrestled with what it how do how how do I wrestle with this Jesus thing don't don't look at me as that way because I've had my struggles man and I still have my struggles but there came a point in my wrestling like Jacob did where I had to settle the question and, and it wasn't so much about evidence of who he was. It was about, am I going to allow God to deal with the sinfulness of who I am? Because if I don't, there's no other way it can be dealt with. I can't be good enough. I can't be perfect because I was born in imperfection. And because of that, I can never please perfection. And God is perfect and God is love. And God has arranged a way to deal with the sinfulness of mankind. And it's that way and that way only. Because the sin of my life requires death, requires a blood sacrifice. And the blood of goats and rams and doves doesn't take my sin away. Now it is Jesus, the, the Son of God who came as God, who came, it, uh, wasn't even born of the seed of man. He, he was conceived by the, by the Holy Spirit. And so he wasn't born in sin. He didn't commit sin. So he could take my sin on a cross. He was judged uh, wrongly. They told lies about him so they could get him in the cross to kill him. Because they hated what he was saying. Because they knew he was right. But because of the hardness of their heart, they would not receive it. 
And we sit there and we blame all those stupid Pharisees, all those stupid Sadducees, all those stupid this, yet we still struggle with the same things of our own heart. We're so willing to judge something 2,000 years ago, yet not deal with it now. That's the introduction. Okay. But you've got to settle in your heart this thing about Christ. You say, I want evidence. Oh my goodness, man. There is more evidence about Jesus and what he did than most anything else in, in literature. And so John is going to come right at the beginning here. In the beginning. From the very start of everything on this walk that you're taking with Christ. At the very beginning, this question should be settled. In the beginning was the Word. In the beginning, God. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God. And the Word was God. And He was in the beginning with God. And He's trying His best to explain this idea of the Trinity. But what He's just saying is, listen, your starting point for everything is Christ. It's not just now. We have these things called uh, Christophanies. I can't even say it right. But anyway, it's these ideas of Jesus showing up in the Old Testament. And a lot of scholars think that Melchizedek was probably a figure of Jesus because he uh, was Jesus because he was a priest and king. And and Hebrews tells us that he had that Melchizedek had no beginning or or no end or that he was he had this idea about him. And so they're looking at that and say, well, that's probably Jesus. And then all of a sudden you've got Abraham sitting on his tent, and all of a sudden. The Lord shows up with two other guys and sits and has dinner with them. Christ in the Old Testament. And everything in the Old Testament, the sacrificial system, all these things point to eventually what Christ is going to do on the cross. So there's thousands of years of people writing books that are explaining the same types of things and heading to this eventual time when Christ will come, when Christ will heal, when Christ will deliver, when Christ will die, and then when Christ will raise. And he raises, rises in victory over everything because he dealt with the sinfulness of mankind. He's dealt with your sin. It's like, I, I've never really done anything that bad, Steve. Okay, on a human level, maybe. It's like, I never smoked pot, or at least I never inhaled. Right? I, drank, I took that shot, but I spit it out when they weren't looking, right? You know, I, I, I maybe wasn't as nice to a few girls, or maybe I wasn't as nice to a few guys, or, or maybe some of this thing happened, you know, but I, I wasn't as bad as the other guys. See, your definition of being good is comparison. You think that as long as you're not bad as the worst guy in the world, may it be Hitler, or Mao Zedong, or whatever, or Syria, because as long as I'm not like that, God should be okay with me. But God will not judge you on the basis of everybody else. You have an individual date with God. 
that you'll, you'll either stand before Christ or you'll stand before the great white throne judgment. And th that is decided about what you believe now. Because when you get before the great white throne judgment, which is the judgment of those who have walked away from Christ or did not receive Christ, that's about hell and eternal fire. And there's nothing you'll be able to say to God. Because he's, he knows everything from the beginning of end. He knows the intentions of your heart. There's no excuse you can bring to deal with your sinfulness. It is only Jesus. And I, I don't know what God will say. But maybe he'll say, what did you do with my son that I sent whom I loved to deal with your sin so we could be together. What did you do with that? And there will be, my fear is millions upon millions of people that will say nothing. And there's no second chances with that. There's never going to be a time when God is going to relent from punishment because there's no time in eternity. Everything revolves around time with us. But time is going to end, and then it's eternity. They, we always sing it, when we've been there 10,000 years, there won't be 10,000 years because there's no time. I know that's hard to understand, but this is why God will not relent from judgment because there's never going to be a time. It's never going to be 10 billions of years when it comes to eternity with the Father. Are you catching this? Because in our humanistic mind, when we, we, we live in time, well, certainly God, being merciful, will, you know, at 10,000 years or something, just let them out. They've served enough. And then in the back of your mind goes, well, if I don't make it, I can last 10,000 years in hell, and then maybe you'll have some mercy. That's not going to happen. The Bible doesn't teach that. The Bible warns more than anything else that that is not going to happen. When it's over, it's over. And those who have received Christ will go to the rewards of what God, to what God has ordained. And those who have not, won't. And it really settles around the question we just talked about. Who is Jesus to you? Because he cannot be just a cool guy. He cannot be just your homeboy. He cannot be just a guy who looks like a Rastafarian. It's none of that stuff. He either is who he said he is. Or he's a lunatic. I'm going to tell you, on this earth, my 48 years of living, I have not seen any lunatics do what he did. As a matter of fact, when he came up against lunatics, they got healed. They got placed in their right mind. When he came up against people who were broken, who had leprosy, equate leprosy with AIDS today. Because that's what it would have been like. There's no cure. When he comes up against something that's unclean and they were shipped out of the camp or all these different kinds of things, they would stand at a far out crying, Jesus, Son of God, have mercy on us. And he who was pure would go to those who were unclean and he was not stained by their sin or their disease. As a matter of fact, he cleansed them. You may want to wrestle with this Jesus thing some more. The things that he did, 
the miracles that he did, the, 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 the purpose and reason he came. And then John gets here and he says, he was the word. He was God. And he says, and all things were made through him. And without him, there is nothing that was made that, that was made. It's like, he's, what he's saying is that from the minute said, there was this word that said, let there be light. Jesus was there. The Father, the Son, and the Spirit speaking light into existence and bam. Speaking creation into existence and bam. You ever heard of the Big Bang? Well, it's true. God said it and bang, it happened. I mean, no, it wasn't, it wasn't God. There was this Big Bang and all these things happened and I'm like, mm. so God said, let it be happening and it happened. We... That's just the hearts of people that don't want to know or or are rebellious towards God trying to prick their hearts and saying, There's something that I can settle in your heart. Whether it was something that happened years ago or yesterday, the Father has the power to deal with it today. Or to look back at when it happened and deal with it then. I, I can't tell you how exactly it works, but I know that he stands outside of time. And sometimes he enters time, but heaven is not, is not. So whatever has happened to you back then, now, or is going to happen to you, the sovereign God is able to look at that timeline and bring healing to wherever you are. Sometimes we're so full of rage and anger and we feel that false sense of power and we really feel like we're, we're, we're doing something by holding that grudge, but it's not hurting other people, but it is destroying you. It's because you haven't come into contact with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords who was before time, created time, created everything and created you. There's some things that God spoke to Jeremiah before you were formed in the womb, Jeremiah. Right? What does that tell you? That God always has a plan. Even in your darkest days of your life, there's a plan. And he's calling out to, to Jeremiah, before I, I formed you in the womb, I, I called you, I've established you. You're going to be a prophet to the nations. You're going to speak my word. Before he was formed, before conception, there was a call. Before any bad thing that could ever happen to Jeremiah, there was a call on his life. Anything that he would ever go through, there was a call and something established. And I'm here to tell you, Jeremiah is not any more special than you. That the love that God has and the purpose he has for your life was established before you were ever born. And you're looking for purpose and what is this life all about? It is found in your understanding and coming to the knowledge of who Jesus is. Because that's where everything else is found. Everything else. I gotta go back to the beginning. I gotta settle it in my heart. He wasn't just a cool guy. He wasn't just... You know, he wasn't a lunatic. 
People have been struggling since Jesus came of what to do with him. Man, the name of Jesus brings up anger in people. My question is why if you don't believe him? If you don't believe it's true, then why does it cause you anger? Why does it stir up so many things in people? Why do atheists get so mad? That's not because you're cramming religion down my throat. It's because there's a part inside that's true and there's a hardness or a hurt that they can't deal with. But the goodness and the grace of God is, is not gonna stop until the end. He's always reaching out. Okay. Now with Jesus says this, in him was life and that life was the light of men and that light shines in the darkness and the darkness did not comprehend it. He's, he's, can't, can't you just see this today? I don't have to go back 2,000 years ago to try and figure out what he was talking about. I can see this today. How people will, will hear about Jesus and what he can do. They'll wrestle with it, but they'll want no part of it. Sometimes it's because they, they love their sin. Mm, sin wasn't fun, you wouldn't do it. If it didn't appeal to your flesh, you wouldn't do it. There's this carnal aspect of our old creation that tries to creep back in and tries to steal the stuff of the new man. You know it. Y'all have it. Whatever your struggle is. There's this guy who's dead, the old man, who's trying to come back and whisper things in your ear. But the new man who's been raised in you because when you've received Jesus, the old has passed away and all things have become new. There's a new spiritual man that's been recreated in you when you've come to Christ. It has what we call a God consciousness. And you can hear the, sometimes what, what you used to do without any problem when you received Christ, all of a sudden, oh, I, I don't feel right about doing that anymore. That's the God conscious. And he's building that new man inside every one of us. But sometimes there's this, because we're still in this body, because we're still on this earth, there's still this struggle to revert and to go back into what we knew, especially when, we, when, when life throws us hard times and pressure. There's this, there's this desire to go back and deal with the way I always used to deal with it, which were usually self-destructive towards myself or self-destructive towards other people. And God's saying, no, 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 you're with me now. You don't curse those who curse you anymore. You bless those who curse you. That doesn't seem right. The old man's not going to do that. But the new man who's been is like, okay. Who's on that road to pursue uh, all of what God has for us. Like, okay, I'm not going to act in the same ways that I used to. Those of you, uh, one of the things we were learning, we're, we're, doing, we're going through a deliverance ministry, and I, I picked a certain number of people to go through it. Um, for no other reason, for just that's who I picked. It's, and it's not going to be the last time we're going to do it. So if you're interested in it, we'll, we'll do it again. So nobody's excluded from it. But we're going through this. One of the things that Rodney Hoke said that was so powerful is that when deliverance comes to people, or and I, I will use this even in, in uh, just inner healing as well too, when that finally comes and they are let go and they are freed from whatever it is that had control over them, he goes, sometimes 
you have to teach them how to live as a new man because that bondage has had them for so long, they don't really know how to interact with people in the new way. Which means that deliverance is not just a slap on the head and let them go and never care about them anymore. Sometimes you're gonna walk with people in the new life so that they know how to thrive as this new person. It just struck my heart, it's so true. It explains a lot of things. But the seed that's planted in the heart of man is Jesus. But they loved their darkness and they would not receive the light. It's not say they could not. It's that they would not. I will not follow Jesus. I will not, I will not. It's it's the same as that two-year-old throwing a temper tantrum. I will not. I don't want to. And all the while, not understanding the goodness of what their earthly father and mother are trying to do. But they will not. And it's the same with those who reject Jesus. The heavenly father standing with open arms, wanting to do all these, instructing you. I will not. I will not. I will not. I love their darkness. They love their pain. But that doesn't mean it's going to be that way forever. Now listen, last thing. The next thing that says that uh, John's witness, the true light. Let me, I'm just going to end here. God never does anything without a witness. Did you know that? God never does anything without a witness. What has he called you to be? Witnesses of who he is in the world. You understand that evangelism is not just about you. I gotta go out and I gotta talk to somebody about Jesus. And I'm really not good about it. I feel so... uh, If you're a witness to something, you ever witnessed a crime? Well, I sure have. Ever have to testify of it? Go to court? Yeah, you have. And you're sitting in front of the judge, and you're sitting in front of the prosecutor, and you're sitting in front of the defense attorney, and you're going to testify of exactly everything that you saw. Everything. I saw them do this, then I saw them do that, and then they ran, and then this happened, and blah, blah, blah. And that's what I saw, and that's what I witnessed. You know, it's the same way with your faith. Except with your faith, there's an excitement and a joy that God brings with it that accompanies it. Let me tell you what I have can testify to, what I have witnessed in my life about Jesus. <clears throat> The reason we have a hard time telling people about Jesus is because you've either forgotten or you don't have a true testimony. Right. Ouch, Steve. I know. Or you've, you know, I've heard testimonies from people in this church before 
Those testimonies, let me tell you what those testimonies have done, that, that being a witness of what God has done in your life. Let me tell you what it's done. It spurred me on. And it spurred, when I hear something of what God has done in somebody else's life, I'm like, that is awesome because I know you and I know that you couldn't do that in your own power and I know that God broke some stuff through and that is awesome. You know what that does? That, 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 that strengthens the hope in me to believe that if God did it for you, then God will do it for me. And when we get into a group of people and our hope is infused and there's, there's joy and excitement. Come on, y'all. Come on. That's just a church being a church that's on fire. God never does anything without a witness. And John the Baptist is going to be a witness to the true light of who Jesus is. And we'll get into that next week.